Hi everybody and welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio, episode 234. Today, I would like to talk to you about our government. And I'm not talking about just the government of the United States or England or anywhere else. The government of the world. Is there a world government coming And if so, will it be a good thing or a bad thing? In the hands of man, I would say it's probably going to be a bad thing. Because given our track record, we're not doing all that great. So I want to show you a form of government in the pages of your Bible that will be a great thing and... The, the best news that I could think of, the best news that anybody could think of, I think, is the fact that God is actually going to be the king. We're going to take a look at that today and see numerous scriptures that indicate that God is going to become the king of the world, literally, and live right here on earth. And from there, we'll go out and make worlds come alive with new life. And therefore, there will be a new heavens and a new earth. Let's start in Revelation. Start at the very back of the book. Revelation 20, starting in verse 4. Here's what God wanted recorded and was penned by dear John. John was um, an eyewitness that walked with Jesus. He was the youngest of them all. He's the only one that didn't die a martyr's death, so far as we can tell. In verse 4, in chapter 20 of Revelation, we read these words. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given authority to judge. And I saw the people, uh, uh, the persons of those who had been beheaded for their, their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted their mark, on their foreheads or their hands. Now, to me, that could be a symbol for what you think and what you do with what you think with your hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. Can priests also serve as rulers? I think they can. And what? who better to, to rule? 
someone who cares about the people and their welfare. That's what a real good king or ruler does. He loves his people. That is where I think that mankind and his governments around the world has failed. They don't love their people. They lord it over them and rule them harshly. That's not what God would do. We're going to see some more of that just in a second. And bear with me, if you would, because I'm going to show you many scriptures all through the Bible that have to do with this. Now let's go to Psalms, right in the middle of the book, 149, verses 5 through 9. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing praises in the assembly of the faithful. O Israel, rejoice in your Maker. O people of Jerusalem, exult in your King. Praise his name with dancing, accompanied by tambourine and harp. For the Lord delights in his people. You see that? He crowns the humble with victory. Let the faithful rejoice that he honors them. You mean to tell me that God could honor me? Yep. Let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. Let praises of God be in their mouths and a sharp sword in their hands. Why? To execute judgment, vengeance on the nations, and punishment on the peoples to bind their kings with shackles. Are there any, any rulers that you would like to bind with shackles? I can think of a few. And their leaders with iron chains to execute the judgment written against them. This is the glorious privilege of his faithful ones. Praise the Lord. So it will be our job as faithful ones to rule and reign in good judgment and love in the future. And that's your destiny, my friends. We're going to see more of that just in one second. So let's go to Isaiah 60, verses 1 through, or 11 through 16. Isaiah writes, Your gates will stay open day and night to receive the wealth of many lands. The kings of the world will be led as captives in a victory procession. For the nations that refuse to serve you will be destroyed. The glory of Lebanon will be yours, the forests of cypress and fir and pine, to beautify my sanctuary. My temple will be glorious. Your descendants, uh, or actually the descendants of your tormentors, will come and bow before you. Those who despise you will kiss your feet. Wow. They will call you in the city of the Lord and Zion 
of the Holy One of Israel. Though you were once despised and hated, with no one traveling through you, I will make you beautiful forever, a joy to all generations. Powerful kings and mighty nations will satisfy your every need as though you were a child nursing at the breast of a queen. You will know at last that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. I will exchange your bronze for gold, your iron for silver, your wood for bronze, and your stones for iron. I will make peace your leader and righteousness your ruler. See that? This is what he's talking about there is love. Righteousness is love. Violence will disappear from your land. The desolation and destruction of war will end. Salvation will surround you like city walls, and praise will be on the lips of all who enter there. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night, for the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set, your moon will not go down, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. All your people will be righteous. Wow! Can you believe that? That's great. They will possess their land forever, and I will plant them there with my own hands in order to bring myself glory. The smallest family will become a thousand people, and the tiniest group will become a mighty nation. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. And that's the end of chapter 60 of Isaiah. Now let's flip on back to chapter 49 of Isaiah, and we'll stay there for a little bit. Listen to me, all you distant lands. Pay attention, you who are far away. The Lord called me before my birth, and from within the womb he called me by name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, and you will bring me glory. I replied, But my work seems so useless. You ever feel useless sometimes? I have spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet I leave it all in the Lord's hand. I will trust my God forever for my reward. And now the Lord speaks, the one who formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back home again. Let's drop down to verse 22. This is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I will give a signal to the godless nations. They will carry your little sons back to you in their arms. They will bring your daughters 
on their shoulders. Kings and queens will serve you and care for all your needs. They will bow to the earth before you, and they will lick the dust from your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who trust in me will never be put to shame. Wouldn't you like to never be put to shame for any reason? I would. Who can snatch the plunder of war from the hands of a warrior? Who can demand that a tyrant let his captives go? But the Lord says the captives of warriors will be released. The plunder of tyrants will all be retrieved. For I will fight those who fight you, and I will save your children. I will feed your enemies with their own flesh. They will be drunk with rivers of their own blood. All the world will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. What's a Redeemer? When you redeem something, you make the most out of it. Say, for example, uh, and I know I'm dating myself, we used to have S&H green stamps. With every purchase we made at, say, Publix or some other store, we would get a bundle or a, a card filled with these little green stamps. And we would lick those stamps or, or moisten them with a towel that's wet and stick them in a little book. When we had enough of these little full books, we would take them to the S&H green stamp store and trade them in for whatever we wanted. You could buy a lamp or a typewriter or something like that at the time. So I made the most of my purchases that way. Just another gimmick, really. But you get the idea. You make the most of something. You turn just stickers and paper into something that's more valuable, like a lamp or a typewriter. And so God is doing that self-same thing with you and me. He's going to make the most of us. Now, let's go to the book of Daniel, chapter 7, and starting in verse 22. Well, i got to really start in uh, 21. As I watched, this horn was waging war against God's holy people and was defeating them. That is, until the Ancient One, the Most High, came and judged in favor of his holy people. Then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom, and that is where you could insert the word government. They will take over the government. Then he said to me, This fourth beast is the fourth world power that will rule the earth. It will be different from all the others. It will devour the whole world, trampling and crushing everything in its path. Its ten horns are ten kings who will rule that empire. And another king will arise, different from the other ten, who will subdue three of them. 
He will defy the Most High and oppress the holy people of the Most High. He will try to change their sacred festivals and laws and will be placed under his control for a time, times, and half a time. Most scholars think that's three and a half years. But, verse 26, Daniel 7, Then the court will pass judgment, and all his power will be taken away and completely destroyed. Then the sovereignty, the power, and the greatness of all kingdoms under heaven will be given to the people of the Most High. His kingdom will last forever, and all rulers will serve and obey him. Wow. What do you make of that? Well, what it means is that you and I will become the people of the Most High, and we will rule with Jesus in his kingdom, a kingdom that will last forever, and every ruler on earth will serve and obey him. We read similar verbiage in chapter 7 and verse 14. He was given authority and honor and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule, his rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Now let's go back a few pages to chapter 4 of Daniel and starting in 34. This time I had passed, or no, I'm sorry. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, What do you mean by doing these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and my glory and my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as the head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the King of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud." You know any proud rulers today? Well, of course you do. Well, God has a way of humbling them. Now, let's go to the obscure book of Obadiah. Obadiah 1 and verse 21. There's only one chapter in Obadiah, so you're likely to gloss right over it. It's right after the book of Amos and before the book of Jonah. You want to know what's going to happen in the Middle East? Well, this guy really nails it, and he puts it in a nutshell really quick-like. Here's what he says, starting in verse 16, Obadiah 1. Just as you swallowed up my people on my holy mountain, 
So you and the surrounding nations will be swallowed up in the punishment I will pour out on you. Yes, all you nations will stagger and or will drink and stagger and disappear from history. Oh boy, that's Edom he's talking about. I'll show you that in just one second. But Jerusalem will become a refuge for those who escape. It will be a holy place, a holy place for the people of Israel to come back and reclaim their inheritance. The people of Israel will be a raging fire and Edom a field of dry stubble. You ever seen a field of dry stubble burn? It goes like, and it's over. The descendants of Joseph will be aflame, roaring across the field, devouring everything. There will be no survivors in Edom. I, the Lord, have spoken, he says. Then my people, living in the Negev, will occupy the mountains of Edom. Those living in the foothills of Judah will possess the Philistine plains. Would that be the Gaza Strip? Probably. And will take over the fields of Ephraim and Samaria and Syria. Because that's where Samaria is, so I understand it. And the people of Benjamin will occupy the land of Gilead. The exiles of of Israel will return to their land and occupy the Phoenician coast as far north as Zarephath. The captives from Jerusalem, exiled in the north, will return home and resettle the towns of the Negev. The Negev is a desert. Those, verse 21, and this is the last verse in the chapter, those who have been rescued will go up to Mount Zion in Jerusalem to rule over the mountains of Edom, and the Lord himself will be king. Now, isn't that good news? Wouldn't you love to have God as our king, our ruler, our boss, our president, if you will? Well, what could be better than that? He is the boss. He can do whatever he wants to do. He can make the dead back alive again. Can you do that? No. Can any president do that? Of course not. So they are limited. God is unlimited. If he can build worlds and do it by the billions and then bring life to those worlds, is there anything too hard for him? Of course not. You can trust in him. He has power, real power, more than any army. Armies are a drop in the bucket to him. He's got way more power than he needs to have to rule wisely and in love. And that's exactly what he will do. Now let's find Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah is just before the New Testament starts, so-called New Testament. Zechariah 14 verse 3. 
Then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he fought in times past. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fought in times past. On that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will be split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Half of the mountain will move toward the north and half toward the south. You will flee through this valley, for it will reach across to Azal. Yes, you will flee as you did from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all his holy ones with him. That can be you and me, God willing. On that day, the sources of light will no longer shine, yet there will be continuous day. But he will share his lifestyle with us. Only the Lord knows how this could happen. Verse 6. There will be no normal day or night, for at evening time it will still be light. On that day, life-giving waters will flow from Jerusalem, half toward the Dead Sea and half toward the Mediterranean. They will flow continuously in both summer and winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. And on that day there will be one Lord, one king, in other words. His name alone will be worshipped, unquote. I hope I've given you plenty of proof to realize that God is coming back. So let's flip back to the 17th chapter of Revelation again, and we'll end there. And we'll start in verse 2. The kings of the world have committed adultery with this great prostitute, and the people who belong to this world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. They spoke blasphemies against God, which were written all over. And a mysterious name was written on her forehead, Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. The beast that you saw, dropping down to verse 8, was once alive but isn't now, and yet will soon come up out of the bottomless pit and go into eternal destruction, in other words, permanent death. And the people who belong to this world, whose names are not written in the book of life before the world was made, will be amazed at the reappearance of this beast who had died. This, to me, is Islam. But his reign will be brief. Verse 10. Verse 12 says, The ten horns of the beast are ten kings who have not yet arisen. We saw that earlier in Daniel. They have not yet arisen to power. They will be appointed to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. They will all agree to give him power and authority. Together they will go to war against the Lamb. That's Jesus. But the Lamb will defeat them because he is the Lord of all lords and the King of all kings. He or, and his chosen and called and faithful ones will be with him. And lastly, let's go to chapter 21 of Revelation, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. The sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain, for all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He also said, It is finished. I am the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you think on these great things to come because we have a glorious future. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com. I don't have anything for sale, but you can get a lot from the resources available. There are videos, links to YouTube, just all sorts of things there. Please check it out. I tell why.com. So until next time, take it easy, enjoy your life, for you have a great future in Him.